Sopran when we just want to add and add and add is the power of same. The power of same. Now, some of you have had some great decisions that you've made in the course of your lives. Decisions that, if kept, would have maybe changed the trajectory of the way you're living. And they become buried. And so today, I'm just challenging you to unbury some of those things, some of those decisions that you've made along the way. The Bible in Genesis 26 tells us a great story about a man that had some wells. The, the Bible says it this way, And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them, or they'd filled them up after the death of Abraham. And, and it's interesting that, that Isaac needed a victory in his life. What did he have to do? He had to go unbury things that were previously open. And today, maybe what needs to be done is for us to uncover, to unbury some areas of our lives that God has already spoken to us about in the past. Because sometimes in the course of living, we can just bury things and push them down things that are good things and and so we want to make sure that we're living for the glory of God so the power of same now I have to tell you what I'm not talking about today before I tell you what I'm talking about today all right because there are some people who would say oh the power of same I'm an expert in that I mean, I have a self-appointed PhD in, in sameness. I, I'm just the same. I do the same things all of the time. And really, it's not exactly the same thing we're talking about today. So we're going we're gonna to mention by way of introduction, again, I'm setting the table for the series we're getting into. I want to talk about some of the sames that I'm not talking about. And so the first one is stagnant same. Stagnant same. This is the life that settles, just settles down. This is the life that's been converted to complacency. Stagnant, same. This is someone who's embraced the status quo approach to life. They have no interest in doing anything. They have no interest in having anything. They have no interest in being anything. They have no interest in going anywhere. It's just a stagnant, same. A life that is settled. A life that is complacent. That's not the same we'll be talking about about today there's another same that we won't be talking about today and it's stupid same everybody say stupid same all right say pastor what is that well that's the life that does the same things over and over and is perpetually dissatisfied with the outcomes of their decisions you ever done that I'm talking about those times and occasions in life where we make the same mistakes over and over and over and we live upset with the state of our lives that is the result of the decisions that we've made. I mean, I think we've all heard the definition of insanity. It's doing the same things over and over and over and expecting a different result. That's insane living. And sometimes we need to be told, don't be stupid, all right? So if anyone asks you, what did you learn in church today? You say, well, my pastor said, don't be stupid, all right? And, and that's a message we all need from time to time. In fact, I think the devil may have been a little bit nervous this morning, knowing that I was going to say this, and knowing this may be the, the very statement that somebody needs today. So they're stagnant same, they're stupid same, they're stubborn same. That's the person who says, well, that's just the way I am. No, I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to change. That's just the way I am. That's just the way I've always done it. Stubborn, same. And that is really just a cop-out that refuses to grow. Aren't you glad God can change people? I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I once was. I, I, I'm a life that is, is being changed as, as I'm seeking to live for God and by His power. And so they're stubborn, same. They're scared, same. 
They're scared same. What is scared same? Scared same are people that look to the future and, and, and maybe they think there are some hopes, some opportunities, but they're so afraid of what the future might hold that they never really launch into it because they're scared. And so they live in a perpetual sense of sameness because they don't know what maybe lies just beyond the other side. They maybe feel prompted to start that business or to make a career change or to do this or that, but, but they're afraid. And so they never move forward. And when I thought of this, I thought of the, of the children of, of God, the, the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 11. And God did so much in their lives. He liberated them. And, and in that passage, here they are. They're walking through the desert. And they've got a future ahead of them, a bright future. But they're scared. And so they're looking back into their life of bondage. They said, man, we remember we had fish that we ate in Egypt freely and cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Here they were in the greatest day of opportunity they would ever, ever experience. And because they're afraid of what the future holds, they're looking into their past and going, you know, maybe we ought to just step back to where we were. An area of, of comfort. Yeah, maybe not opportunity, maybe not, maybe not great success, but, but we'll just spend some time there. This is the life of, of one who prefers the familiarity of bondage rather than the risk of something new. Now there's another same, and it's a sacred same. A sacred same. You have your Bibles open to Joshua chapter 6, and... Uh, we're going to consider one of those stories today that if you were raised in church, you probably heard it taught to you as a child. And if you weren't, don't worry, because we're going to read a couple verses, and then I'll take some time to give the context and a little bit of the background. But we're going to talk today about the power of same. We're talking today not about a stagnant same, a stupid same, a stubborn same, a scared same. We're going to talk about a sacred same. And if you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we look to the Word of God today. Joshua chapter 6. If you love Jesus, say amen. I'm so excited for what we're going to go through. I just can't wait to get to it all. And I'm not going to give it all today. Uh, we've all got burgers to eat in a few minutes. But uh, we're going to get started with this thought. And so Joshua chapter 6 and verse 14. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So they did six days. So in other words, we've got the Israelites, the children of, of Israel here. And they've walked around a city, the Bible says, we'll look at this more uh they, they did it once but then they did it for six more days they did the same thing the same thing so they did it once but they had to do the same thing again and, and again verse 15 and it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times the bible says after the same manner after the same manner the same man they did the same thing Days on end, and on the seventh day, they did the same thing time and time and time again. Seven times they did the same thing. And the Bible says, only on that day they compassed the city seven times. I want you to notice the expression, after the same manner. After the same manner. God, please do a work in our hearts. Use this series to help and encourage and liberate. I pray that, that this would be a new beginning for all of us. And Lord, as we just get started today, help us to see the power of same. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. 
to bring us up to speed, we'll be reminded that the people we've read about in Joshua chapter 6 were the same group of people that we refer to as the Israelites, uh, the children of God. We know they started with a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham in the Old Testament is often called the father of faith, and, and he was the one that had a son. Abraham had Isaac, and then Isaac had a son named Jacob. And, and Jacob, during a time of famine, uh, this is the man who really is, is now beginning to develop the, the nation of Israel. He's got 12 sons that become the 12 tribes. Well, a famine comes, and, and so they go to Egypt because they've got food in Egypt. And when they get to Egypt, they think, well, it's not too bad. Let's just stay here for a while and enjoy the food that they have. But a while turned into 400 years. You see, they went there, and at first they, they were doing well. But they became subservient to the Egyptians, and they became the slaves of the Egyptians, and they were living in bondage for, for 400 years. God, in His grace and in His mercy, liberated His people. They were able to exit Egypt. In fact, the book of the Bible called Exodus is all the story of, of how God let His people exit the land of Egypt. And they wandered in the wilderness for about 40 years, making their way back to the land that, that they came from, the land of Canaan. As they came to the edge of the land that God had for them, the promised land, as they would think of it, they, they came to a city. And the Bible tells us that the city that they came to first was a city by the name of Jericho. It was the first the first city they came to, and it was that first great obstacle, really, between them and possessing what the rest of the land would would hold for them now what's interesting about jericho is compared to some of the other cities they would fight it wasn't necessarily the biggest city but their walls were enormous making it look bigger making it look more intimidating than maybe it would otherwise can i say today that a lot of the obstacles we'll face in the course of our life they often look bigger than they are in reality and many times when you're beginning a journey, when you're beginning a new year, when you're beginning an endeavor in life, what happens is those obstacles when you're getting started, they seem insurmountable, they're intimidating, they're threatening, and we think, you know, I don't know if I can make it past this. Sometimes getting started is the hardest thing to do. I can tell you when it comes to preparing sermons. Oh, it'll be something that's on my mind, on my heart, I'll be thinking about, but really the hardest thing is, is just getting started in that. It's easier to talk about preparing sermons than to actually prepare sermons. And, and, and so I've got to work to get started, and oftentimes when I get started, the floodgates will open and, 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 the, and the sermon will, will just come. But the hardest thing is to get started. Now, I know some of you are thinking it must be very hard to stop also, because I, I can go long sometimes, right? But really, getting started is the, is the harder part of that. Now, they came to Jericho, and Joshua, he, their leader, he was at a loss, okay, here we are, we've come into the land, but here's Jericho, he didn't know what to do, and so God comes to Joshua, and, and, and they have a conversation, and in that talk in Joshua chapter 6, uh, the Bible here says that the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Now, really, at that point, the victory was won. If God says it, it's absolutely true. It's going to happen as he says. And so God tells Joshua, listen, uh, I'm giving you this city as a, as, as a, 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 a foe that you will defeat. You're going to win here. But the fact is God had a plan and God's plans are often unusual. God often does things in ways that we would never imagine. 
And so as the Bible continues from the verse we just read to really help us see how things unfold, we read in Joshua 6, verses 3 and 5. The Bible says, And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear the ark, uh, bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. So God says, here's, here's what's going to happen. I've got something new for you, and you've got an obstacle in between you and where it is you need to go, and so I want you to do the same thing for a while. I want you to walk around this city every day. Just walk around it. Just quietly walk around it. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around this city uh, seven times, and so you've got to do the same thing thing it would have been tedious it would have been monotonous it would have been boring maybe it would have been frightening walking around those large walls and looking up and and seeing the enemy looking down for six days they had to do exactly the same thing now i'm not a huge follower of numerology but i believe if god makes an emphasis on a number that there's a reason for it in the bible the number six is always associated with man and the strength of man Six, the number seven in the Bible quite often refers to completion, finishing something. For example, we think of creation on the seventh day, God rested. And so we see that six often represents man, seven often represents completion. And I've discovered that everybody in life on a scale of one to seven wants a seven, but we're not always willing to do the same on one through six. We want the great things in life, but we're unwilling to do that which is needed to get the victory that is desired. Many people here today, if you're married and I were to say, hey, on a scale of one to seven, what would you like your marriage to be? Most people would say, well, I'd like it to be a seven. I want to have the greatest marriage absolutely possible. But if I were to say, listen, are you doing the things needed to get you to a seven and to stay at a seven? Uh, many people would say, well, no, I'm not doing those things. I'm not doing the same things. I, I, I know there are some changes that need to be made, but they're not being made. There are a lot of people, if I were to say on a scale of one to seven, how would you like for your health to be? People say, oh, I'd like it to be a seven. The question then could be, well, are you doing those things? The same things. Are you doing them habitually, over time? Are you eating the way you're supposed to eat? Are you staying away from things you're supposed to stay away from? Are you, are you exercising? Are you doing those things necessary to get you to a seven in your health? And oftentimes, we're not. A lot of Christians, if I were to say, listen, in your walk with God, how would you like it to be on a scale of one to seven? Most Christians would say, I'd, I'd love for it to be a seven. I love God, and he saved me, and I'm so thankful for that, and I want to really know him, and I want to know his word. And then the question could be, well, are you reading his word every day? Are you studying the Bible? Are you faithful to church? Are you faithful to a small group where you can be encouraged and, and receive more teaching? And, and many times, the things that need to be done to get us to where it is we say we want to go, it's just not happening. We're missing out on the power of same there is power in same when it allows us to be consistent 
or faithful. Now, in the end, I love the way that Joshua and the people of God, the Bible literally says their victory came because they did after the same manner. After the same manner. And in verse 20, the Bible says the wall fell down flat so that the people went up to the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Why did the victory come? God said, let me tell you why. Because they did this after the same manner. Victory only comes when you learn to do the same things for a period of time. Now, we've got the story in our hearts and minds. Let's get the principles from this story that we can apply to our lives. With your notebook nearby, let's consider this first. If you neglect routine, you lose reward. If you neglect routine, you lose reward. Now, this series isn't all about what you want in life. Ultimately, it should be about what does God want in our lives. But by way of application, I could ask, what is it that you want in the course of this year? And think about it in in those terms. I could think of my life and and think of of what it is that that I want. And and I think first of my family, and I'm thankful for my wife. And I could say, well, you know, one thing I want in this year and in life, I want to be married to my wife for the rest of my life. We kind of made an agreement till death do us part. And and, and we want to make sure we keep that little arrangement we made. And and so I want to have the same wife for my life. I could say, you know, I I enjoy being the pastor of Coastline. God could change his plans for my life as far as I know at any moment. That's totally up to him. I've always thought it'd be pretty cool if I could pastor the same church for my entire ministry. I've never had a desire to kind of, well, I'll pastor this one, move over to that one. Maybe I'll get called to this one. I've never had any interest in that at all. I I love this community. I love our church. I love you guys. I I think it'd be neat if I could not only maybe have the same wife for all of my life, but but maybe if it it were God's will, if I could pastor the same church for for all of my ministry until the kids in the nursery grow up and they push me out because I got too old, right? That's what happens to old pastors. They get put out to pastor. Pastor, um, there are some friends in my life that I want to have for a lifetime. The same friends, the same friends. Now listen, there will be no reward if I miss the routine. If you neglect the routine, you lose the reward. God told his people to do the same thing for a period of time before the victory would come. And I'm sure many would have preferred an immediate win. Uh, I want I want what I want right now and we often look at God as kind of a genie in a bottle we look at him as a lucky rabbit's foot the one we want to call on to get immediate results and and we often think that God is the one who's supposed to give us instant answers and instant relief and instant blessings let me tell you something about God he most often works in our lives through routine 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 If you neglect routine, you'll lose the reward. Let me give you an example. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Naaman. He had leprosy. It was a death sentence. But he received a word through the prophet of God that if he were to go and dip himself in the river seven times, that he'd be healed. He had to do the same thing over and over He had to get past that number six, the number of man. He had to get beyond where he could take himself. He had to get in that realm of only what it was that God could do. And so he had to do the same 
thing. And because of the routine, the sameness, the power of saying there was a reward of healing. I'll tell you another story of Peter. The Bible tells us he fished all night and, and in the day the Lord used his boat for a platform. So Jesus is in his boat now preaching after Peter has been fishing all night. And in Luke chapter 5 and verse 4, the Bible says, Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon Peter, he said, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And so Jesus said, listen, I want you to go fishing. And Peter responded by saying in the very next verse, he, he said, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. You see, Peter was saying, Jesus, I've already done that. I've already tried that. I already went there once. I already did those things. And Jesus essentially was telling Peter, Peter, there's a power in your life you've yet to understand. It's the power of same. Jesus said, Peter, do the same thing again. Do it again. Keep it up. Don't quit. When he had the victory, a huge catch of fish came into his life. Peter learned the power of same. Naaman learned the power of same. The Israelites learned the power of same. We need to learn the power of of same. Now what I'm sharing with you is true because it comes from the Bible, but I want you to know I'm sharing with you something that has been personal to me, something I've been learning in my life. And one year ago when we began a year, I used an analogy of going to the gym as I just really started uh, getting in shape. And, and I shared with, with our church family that uh, I'd kind of had a few health problems and, and the doctor told me that, listen, you need to get in better shape. And, and so that's, that's what I started doing. And I remember about that time, a year ago, um, I, I'd changed the way I was eating, and uh, I, I'd started going to the gym regularly, doing the same things in that sense. Uh, my wife had made friends with a nutritionist and a trainer, and, and uh, at the urging of my wife, I, I saw this person who really changed my life. I mean, changed, absolutely changed my life. Isn't it amazing that by doing the same, you get dynamic and radical change? And so uh, I started doing the things I was learning, uh, eating a certain way and exercising. And, and it did everything that, that, that I hoped it would do. And, and um, when I came to my final uh, visit at the end of, of a 90-day program, I was excited to see how I'd done. And, and uh, I, I was eager to hear the progress. And, and uh, really, I exceeded goals I'd set for myself. I was very pleased in that. And, and I'm wondering, well, what is it I do now? I kind of went through this 90-day period, and, and the body fat's been, been, been reduced, and a little weight's been lost, and muscle's been gained. What do I do now? And I was excited to find out, what do I do next? You see, I'm goal-oriented. I can understand we're going to cut your body fat by half in the next 90 days. That's a goal. That's a tangible goal. I can see the finish line. I can press to that end. I can sprint to that place. And I'm wondering, all right, I've gone through the program. What do I do now? And the answer was kind of disappointing. Basically, the answer was, well, just keep doing basically the same thing. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That, that's not what I want to hear at all. You mean if I want to have health and longevity in my life, I have to eat good and exercise for the rest of my life? You mean a 90-day burst of frantic activity won't bring me to some place where I can just say, well, I hit my goal and I'm done now? It doesn't work that way. Let, let, me, let me tell you something. I'm speaking of the power of same, and I want you to know it's very difficult in life to do the same. 
the same. But routine brings a reward. Some here today have a heart in which you long for something to happen in 2016. And there may be some new things to add, and as you might guess, we'll talk about that in a future study, but, but maybe what you need to pick up is the power of same. Maybe you need to revisit those areas in your life that have been good things that you've done infrequently. You need to go back to those cities where you only walked around the wall one or two times when God said, I want you to, I want you to do this same thing for a period of time before the victory comes in your life. If you neglect routine, you'll lose reward. Let's look at the second thought together. There is a reward in the routine. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, Pastor, that's kind of the same thing you just said, but it's not really the same thing. The first thing I said is if you neglect routine, you'll lose reward. The, re- the routine itself will lead you to a reward. But in the second thought, I'm telling you that the routine, well, that's one of the rewards. It is a reward. The routine leads to a reward, but the routine itself is rewarding. Now, I know that what I'm saying today can sound exhausting to you. Uh, If we think about what I've said to this point, I'm saying we're going to have to live the life of same, and in most cases, we'll, we'll never arrive. But I want you to understand this. Please hear me today. Life isn't about arriving. It's about growing. There's no stopping point. Now, I'm, I'm grateful for, for days like weigh-in day after a 90-day program, or I'm grateful for graduations and all of that, but I want you to know, in life, as long as we're living it, we never really do fully arrive. It's, it's all about growing, growing in the course of life. After a great life and ministry, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 taught us this. He said, you know, it's not as though I'd already attained, so I hadn't arrived in life. Either we're already perfect, he said, I've got room to learn, I'm not absolutely mature, He said, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Listen, this is maybe the greatest Christian in all of the New Testament. He said to to his brothers in the Lord, he said, listen, I I haven't apprehended. I've got room to grow. He said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He was talking about a life that was going to pursue Jesus. Paul was making a statement. He was saying this, the joy is in the journey. It's not about arriving. It's about the same in my life so that I can grow for a lifetime. I want you to know the routine is the reward. The disciplined life, the predictable life, the faithful life, it does not just lead you to rewards. It's rewarding in and of itself. Now, if we live our lives waiting to get somewhere, we're going to always be disappointed because we're not where it is we want to go. And a lot of people live life that way. They're perpetually disappointed because things aren't the way they wish they were. Those are the people where it's all about the destination. It's it's not about the journey. If if we live our lives waiting to get somewhere, we're always going to be dissatisfied. But if we feel accomplishment each day in our routine, we get a reward each day and we'll get more reward tomorrow. The power of same will not only take you where you want to go, but the power of same will allow you to enjoy the process as you mark your progress along the way. It's been said, doing right is its own reward. And it's rewarding. It's rewarding. Now, I talked a moment ago about exercising, and and that would be a good example or an analogy. 
You see, I'm never going to have one visit to the gym that's so awesome I don't have to go anymore. Oh man, I ran so far on the treadmill, I lift so many weights, I don't need to go anymore. No, listen, it, it's about going in that day, the routine and finding the reward. It's, it's about understanding, you know, I'm going to need to go again in the future. But on this day, I did what was right, I did what I was supposed to do, I, I accomplished it today. Uh, I, could, I could take my wife on a date, but no one date's going to be so awesome that we'll never need to spend time in the future. We'll never need to talk or get alone. Uh, listen, it's, it's good to have a great date, but you need to understand there are going to be more in the future. So find enjoyment in the, in the routine of just perpetually doing right in the course of time. I think it's good to come to church. There's no one service that's going to be so awesome for you that you won't need to come back anymore. So there's power in saying you'll get a blessing in continuing to come. But did you know you can be blessed even today? That's the way it works. Again, reading God's word and praying. It blesses me in the moment right now. But it's not going to be so overwhelming that I have no need to read God's word or pray tomorrow. So I'm blessed in the moment and it sets me up for greater blessings to come. If you neglect a routine, you'll lose reward. There is a reward in the routine. And here's the thought we'll, we'll close with today. You'll never reach forward if you don't remain faithful. You'll never reach forward if you don't remain faithful. You see, in the end, it's really not about how far we went. It's about how faithful we were to the Lord in the course of our journey. It's about how faithful we were to the Lord. The words we all want to hear from Jesus found in Matthew chapter 25 are, are these. Well done. Well done. If you're a Christian, your life will be reviewed by Jesus Christ. And what we want to hear from Jesus are these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And I often say, if we want to hear well done, we better do well. And he said, good and faithful. Faithful is synonymous with same. It's consistency. It's predictability. Well done. Well done. I've thought of this in relationship to our church. Uh, our goal as a church is not numeric. Uh, our goal isn't, well, we want to be a big church or like that church. We want to do this or, or that. Our goals aren't really that way. You see, we understand that the result, the product, the end result is ultimately up to God. We understand that ultimately it's up to God. So we want to make sure that we have a routine that's honoring to him and that we remain faithful as we reach forward. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 teaches us this. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It would be presumptuous for me to make a goal for our church that had to do with we want to see this many people added to the church because that's a job that God does. But it would be appropriate for me to say, hey, let's have some work-related goals. Let's say we want to be Christians that walk with God by reading the Bible. Let's say we want to witness and we want to invite friends and we want to invite neighbors and family members. Let's do the work needed. And what happens is the byproduct is a victory in life. That's how it works. So our goals often surround getting, getting a, a work done that God can then bless. We do what we do with consistency and by his grace and God takes the same and uses that to move us forward 
listen, some of you this year, you don't need the new diet. You had a good one last year. You just, you didn't walk around the wall. You, you don't need a new lifelong learning plan. Maybe you need to go back to the one that you came up with years back. Maybe you don't need a whole new approach to doing life this year. Maybe what you need to do is revisit the plan you've already established. Say, I want to be consistent. I want to learn the power of saying. We're coming to that very exciting time of year where it's NFL playoff time. And uh, if you're a football fan, that's always good news for you. And last year, there was a player for the Giants by the name of Odell Beckham. He got in some trouble recently. But he made what many people called maybe the greatest catch ever in the history of football. And that's quite a statement. And if you saw the catch, you'd know that very well may have been the greatest catch in the history of professional football. And because I like you and I like football, I brought a video along today to show you the catch. So I want us to take a look at, at this catch. Watch this. That was pass interference too, by the way. All right. Now, that was a pretty amazing catch. Would you, would you agree? Uh, absolutely amazing. I mean, kind of defied the laws of physics and gravity, and, and what he did was, was amazing. And, you know, a lot of people would say, wouldn't it be great if I could have a moment like that in my life? If I, as a parent, could have a moment like that where everything around me is going crazy, I'm being interfered with, yet I come through in a, in a great way. It'd be great if in my marriage I could, I could do something like that in my career, in my walk with God, in my service for the Lord. And so we see a great catch that, that uh, Odell Beckham made. Let me show you the video that was captured of Odell Beckham prior to that game. I want you to watch this. Before the big catch. Before the game. Somebody can say, let me tell you about that great catch. It was a lucky catch. No, it was the it was the result of the power of same. It was the result of someone that said, I'm going to go to work every day. I'm going to put in the time. I'm going to practice this. I want to get it right. When I come to Jericho, I'm going to walk around the same way every day. I'm going to follow God's prescription so the victory can come. If God, like he did with Naaman, tells me to, to go dip in a river the same way, repeatedly, I'll do the same thing. I'm, I'm going to do that which God can use to bring victory into my life. And I'm saying today that as we begin a new year together, I, I, I want you to know that I'm thankful for you. And, and we are a church that we are today because many of you are living and have lived 